Welcome. This is the Purple Political Breakdown. God said, don't judge. When Jesus said, don't judge, that means don't judge. And so if someone was to get an abortion, I would be disheartened and I would be sad that that life was lost. But at the same time, I don't want to judge that person. And I might judge them at first glance because I am I am fallible and I'm a human. So if you understand it's human and you do the action, that will affect you for the rest of your life. Permanent. Mm-hmm. And that's something people need to consider because you could do the action. You could be in your early 20s and do it and whatever. And then you maybe 32 years old you found God or you found a more concrete moral structure and you realized that when I was in my early 20s what are you going to think you're going to think to mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. that I killed two people you know this is probably very unpopular but I don't like to play God I don't like to play God and and having an abortion in my perspective in my view is a way of playing God and this, I say this because I believe in a loving God, and I believe in his promise that he works out all things for the good of those who diligently seek after him and are called him according to his purpose. Are you enjoying today's podcast episode? I really hope you do. And I really hope you enjoy the fact that I have an amazing guest talking with me and having this great discussion. If you, as an individual, personally have your own podcast, and maybe you want to have great guests on your podcast as well, well, I got a deal for you. In my description, there is a link to something called Podmatch. Make sure to join that link through my affiliate link so you can sign up to get matched up with other podcast hosts and podcast guests so you make sure you are never missing an episode without a productive guest to have an amazing conversation with. Podmatch is similar to any other kind of matching site for the most part, and it's super easy you. Just $6 a month, and you can have a guest for each and every podcast episode that is tailored to your specific topic. So again, join the link in my description and join Podmatch now. Do you want a great website like this? This is my podcast website where I direct the audience to come to watch the content, listen to the content, read the blogs, and much, much more. If you want to have your own customizable podcast website, then join my affiliate link in my description to sign up for something called PodPage, and they can help you customize an easy podcast website for your personal podcast. Sign up to get a discount now. Again, use the link in my description to join PodPage now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 33, I believe. Episode number 33 of the uh, podcast. And we're back at it again with a very interesting discussion. Um, I'm sure we'll both have very interesting point of views on the abortion topic. So we're going to dive into that a little bit uh, later, of course. And I'm going to start it off per usual with the uh, with a review. This is a long one, so you know, be prepared, be prepared for it. Of course, I'm your host, Riddell Lewis, and this is my co-host Jonathan. It's just two of us for today. Next th- this Thursday, so tune in live this Thursday. 
Um, well, this will this, by the time this this is out, this won't matter. But this Thursday, um, we're gonna have a CEO for a media company and that kind of does different news articles on their media. Um, politics being one of them, basically any other major news. So we'll talk about that when they come on. That episode will drop officially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that stuff the following Thursday this comes out. So stay tuned for that, of course. So, uh, Jonathan, how you doing, my guy? I'm good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Pretty tired today. Um, you know, I was... Uh, not in the suit, of course. I was already dressed this way, and I didn't feel like changing. So, you know, we're just gonna roll it. And um, wow. yeah, just did a lot, a lot of calls today, kind of dealing with the student yeah. debt situation. Now that it's coming <laughs> back, um, a little what you need to know news for some people, I guess, is that Biden uh, administration is forgiving certain loans for people who are already. 20 to 25 years in student loan payments he's forgiving those individuals as of right now so they're they're moving up towards it but um you know i have to deal with mine now that payments are starting again in the next couple of months so you know a lot of calls for that that's, that shit that's that's super fun but i kind of came out of it as best as you can come out of it so you know i'm happy i got you that's good that's good um all right let's read off this review this is a long one like i said um, if you are going to leave a review, feel free to leave it on Apple Podcasts or go to the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com, where you can leave a message, leave a voicemail, leave an email, leave a review, and it can get shouted out. And um, try to pay attention to like different comments based on the solutions we admit and to kind of read some of the feedback regarding that as well. But, you know, stay tuned for that for later. This one is from Big Jags. They said... This podcast does a great job of presenting several aspects of a complex issues related to politics, historical references, what we've done in the past, the potential solutions or things you should expect in this podcast. It really helps to understand what we've done in the past. Now, both sides are presenting their problems and or solutions to reach some form of consensus and producing a government that is more in line with the government should provide. Worth a listen, unless you'd rather follow what you're told blindly. Yeah, you don't want to do that, of course. If that's the case, you only listen to the episodes you think you'll like and refuse to respect others' opinions, but expect others to respect yours, thereby remaining part of the problem. I think you're spitting some facts over there. I don't, I don't know. I Just think so. Facts. I think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we try to do here in the podcast, to kind of present these problems, present very nuanced takes and conversational um, conversations regarding these different problems and topics and most importantly try to kind of look at it from different points of views that even not our own and find solutions like i've said mm -hmm. already prior i feel like so many of these podcasts propose these problems no solutions and just complaints i mean that's not helping anybody at the end of the day so Appreciate you, of course, um, and that's what we'll continue to do for the podcast moving forward. Hope you got you enjoy future episodes. Uh, I did talk to Paul, Jonathan. Um, mm -hmm. He said he will try to start making. Uh, he said he probably won't be able to do Thursday episodes, but he said he will try to be able to do like Mondays. And he said he will be back next week. So we'll have, okay. have Paul back for next week. And next week is, I believe, a double guest two i think there's two guests that are signed up to come on the show 
So we'll see how that kind of place plays out. So um, let's start off gotcha. with a what you need to know. These are current events, current topics that is going on in society that may you may be interested in, of course. Uh, first thing we got is the actor's strike. I'm sure you heard about it. You know, the mm-hmm. actors kind of striking against Hollywood, stri- actors, writers, journalists, a lot of different people kind of upset with the current way things are in the Hollywood landscape. Um, another current news going on is U.S. health regulators approved the first birth control medication available over the counter without a prescription called mm-hmm. Opil. So basically think of this as one of those drugs you can buy at any store, kind of like a Tylenol, and you don't need a prescription to get it by any means. So um, this is the first kind of step towards that type of um, drugs, I guess. So I, we're going to talk about it a little bit since it kind of touches in with the main topic of abortion, potentially. Um, I'm not re- I We'll talk about it later. And then the last thing is that there's the new... NDAA bill that they're trying to get passed through the Senate. Apparently, it did get passed by the House, but there's uh, expectation that it won't pass through the Senate. From what I saw, uh, someone uh, sent me a newsletter regarding it. Usually, these NDAA bills are pretty consistent. You know, it's a compromise from the two sides. Usually, uh, they put some filler stuff in but for the most part it gets passed pretty cleanly throughout the years but this time there's going to be controversy why because we've said it before it seems like the political landscape is becoming much more divided than it's ever been before and some of the things that's going to cause stir for the democrats because these are things that the conservatives put in and uh curious what jonathan thinks of them of course some of the controversial uh new things that they want to put in this includes a provision blocking the Pentagon's policy of reimbursing service members who have to travel to obtain abortions because of where they are based, a provision eliminating the Defense Department Office for DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, a provision barring the military health care plan from covering gender transition surgeries and medications, and a provision prohibiting Defense Department schools from teaching critical race theory. So these are some of the things conservatives want to try to get passed with this new NDAA bill. But the Senate may not let this go through, making it a controversial bill. So uh, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think about the current news, Jonathan? Um, you know, obviously I have opinions about the, the, the abortion pill. Um, but as for the, the actors strike, um, you know, I, I really could care less. Like, I, I'm not sure why they're striking exactly. I think it does it have something to do with pay or something like that. Usually. Yeah. Pay. That's, and that's what um, I figured conditions. But my, my thing yeah. to be fair is like. Not only the actor stuff with this Hollywood situation, but I feel like in a lot of media companies, more entertainment media companies as of late, have been taking advantage of their people a little bit too much. Like voice actors too, animators, mm-hmm. for example. Animators get treated horribly cons- yes. considering the tight deadline. So, um, yes. So I was their- what I was going to say 
uh, the actors, I feel like, you know, there's probably some actors, the small actors probably get taken advantage of. As I understand it, the SAG uh, isn't a very good union. So a lot of actors go for something called like FIFO or FIFO or something like that or something along, uh, something along those lines. Uh, and that's the union that's like a private union that uh, that they join because they do a better job. I feel like actors are some of the highest class people. Um, I I don't doubt that some of them get treated poorly, but the majority of them, these people make millions of dollars a year. Um, and so I don't feel that bad. However, the writer's strike, I totally understand because I do know that Hollywood writers just get pulled over the coals. Same thing with animators. I know am- animators get treated like crap. And that's one of the reasons I think a lot of animation is like so bad. Like if you look at like the Lord of the Rings animation from like 2000 versus like the modern Marvel animation from their recent movies and shows, like the 2000s animation, I mean Jurassic Park's animation in 1993 was better than a lot of the animation that comes out now. Yeah. And it's not because the technology's gotten worse, obviously. It's just because the big uh, the big production houses don't treat their animators well, don't give them enough time to work with stuff. So. Yeah, they put them in, like, strict deadlines. And, I mean, Marvel learned from their mistakes with all the different passion projects that they were trying to do in a short deadline and how inefficient that really was. They're, they scaled back a little bit to make sure that they're focusing on the in the important mm-hmm. projects, which, you know, they should have done in the first place. But, yeah, I, I feel bad for the um, the the people. Um, obviously, the high A-list actors probably don't care. They might do so. They might join out of maybe beliefs. You know, you never know which actor is really genuine or not. And then some will yep. join due to, you know, positive image. You know, so yeah. I saw I saw a meme. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was out with a sign, and he was just wearing all this disheveled clothes. And someone captioned it, "Quick, agent, get me my poor guy clothes." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's a publicity stunt. That's you know some of this stuff. You know, you want to be you want to be seeming like you care about these circumstances, being an A list actor. And some people just won't care. I mean, to be fair, I mean, if you're getting paid the big bucks, you can't expect them to care at the end of the day. So, you know, you only could do much for those people. But um, yeah, it's a it's a that's uh, man. It really plays into the bigger conversation of like the thing with capitalism is we can't really check these billionaires, right? Um, usually you gotta hope from the kindness of their heart that they're willing to, you know, help out the rest of society. Uh, and obviously you can raise taxes, but we saw, we see time and time again, raising taxes to a ridiculous extent will just motivate them to take their businesses to places that won't be taxed. And even if you realistically, because people don't really understand in terms of the percentage that we tax the rich, I mean, as of right now, they do get taxed more. So, I mean, mm, they far more. Real, far more. It's just people don't know this. The, the average person thinks that they don't get taxed at all. Right. So, yeah. you know, that's not that true. Plus 75% of all taxes that happen in America is like 400K above. Like, people who make that pay like 
maybe not quite that much, but like close to 70% of taxes. I wouldn't even be surprised by that number. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's such a tough thing in a capitalist country to the only way to really force these billionaires' hands are things like unions or things like strikes. You got the <laughs> workers have to force the billionaires to do the government won't be the government won't do shit, but the the workers really have to come together and we're like, hey, we need better X, Y, and Z. That's the only way you're yeah. gonna get anything done. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, um, uh, what what about uh the uh, NDAA bill? How, do you do you like um, everything that they're trying to pass, or do you disagree with anything? So I like those last two things. I'll be honest, though, I haven't had a chance to read that bill yet, so I'm not sure everything that's in it. Um, I do like the last two things you read, though. You know, I don't think that. I don't think that transgender surgery should should be allowed. Period, um, and that 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 particularly, I think is is a good a good thing. Um, specifically like, you know, I think you said that was in the context of, you know, military hospitals and, uh, veterans. I don't think that, uh, the VA should be paying for that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, for, like you said, the VA, um, military funding, obviously that probably, if you want to do something like that, that's probably something. I don't know. I would have to kind of see what constitutes private like circumstances versus like military funded insurance or, you know, like you said, VA benefits, what that would cover. Because from my knowledge, unless if you're like full active duty, I don't really know any circumstances where when you go to the hospital, for example, and that the VA, the health benefits that you're getting from the military doesn't cover. So this would be that one exemption that you go like, oh, you go to the hospital, you have a kid that wants to transition, or maybe even the the person wants to transition. I'm not really sure how, like optically, how you would kind of justify that. If everything is covered, but this one thing, optically, I don't know how you would. Um, well, so there's a whole host of things about that. Um, I, I'm sure there's other surgeries. Like, there's the transabled community, right? I don't think that hospital should, somebody should come up and be like, hey, man, I feel like I identify like I shouldn't have an arm. Cut right. off my arm. Like, we shouldn't cover that either. I mean, there's a whole host of, I mean, there was a pretty famous interview, I think, Forget what uh, cable uh, news channel was was covering it, but it was a lady who literally poured bleach on her eyes because she yeah. identified as someone who should have been blind. And it's one of the things that um, I don't. I'm not sure if she tried to get hospital, the hospital to do it or not. But I don't think the hospital should have gave it, even if she um, wanted it. I don't know if the hospital. No, no. So basically, I mean, she did go to a psychiatrist or. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called yeah. a psychiatrist. She went to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist recommended she did it. So she did it in a safe environment. Uh, so I'm not really sure if any... Well, is it a safe environment if you're pouring bleach on your eyes? 
I don't think that constitutes a safe environment. I mean, how else are you going to blind yourself, I guess? so. You shouldn't be allowed to. I think that's what we call insanity, or at least used to. Yeah. That, that, that begs another question in terms of how far we want to go into these kind of mental health circumstances. Because a lot of these situations where you identify something outside of who you are, the more accepted remedies, the more popular and studied remedies for these search situations or to allow them to live the experiencing that, that they believe that they are experiencing. As of right now, there's really no other solution. And I don't even, I don't really know if the, any other course of action would be better, like telling them no and they do it on their own or trying to lock them up for believing this, even though inherently it may not be their fault. Like, so I don't know. We'll we'll touch upon that conversation a little bit later to see what we can kind of conjure up, of course, and we'll see if we can have Paul for that one. Um, yeah. To see what he thinks as well to get the most nuance of nuance of nuance perspective regarding it. But let's start off with our subtopic. Uh, this is social subtopic. Okay, so we're going over some of the things that are going on that is trending, so to speak, socially in society. So there's two things that I found that was pretty interesting to discuss and hear your thoughts about. The first thing that I saw trending for some reason is in regards to this gender queer book that apparently is trending on social media. Now, I'm not really sure why it's now trending. I do know what the book is from very surface level knowledge. It's obviously an LGBTQ book. Um, I saw a couple images. There are, you know, scenes where the, the individuals were talking very sexually to each other. There's also an image of someone giving someone else a blowjob. And my thing is, because I don't like to kind of get hair narratives from conservatives because sometimes they blow things out of the water, nor do I like to hear narratives from the left because sometimes they undermine what is actually going on. So I would say for a book like this in a kid's library, like in middle school, I had a library in my school. This shouldn't be in that library by any means. In a high school library, arguable. But in a middle school library and obviously in an elementary school library, there's no way in hell this should be in their libraries. For a public library, I mean, if it's in the adult section, I don't really see what's wrong with that. So, I don't know. Um, have you seen this? What are your thoughts about it? I have. I think it's it's trending because um, per- there's been a particularly concerted effort to get it removed from school libraries which is why i assume it's trending you know there's been talk like a lot of republicans and conservatives use this particular book as a demonstration of the kind of books that they try to put in you know elementary school libraries uh because it does depict uh i haven't obviously i've never read the book front to cover but i've seen through commentary uh some of the photos that are in it and they depict some some relatively lewd acts and describe some pretty lewd acts as well. Uh, certainly something that should not be in any kind of kid's book. Um, so, because obviously it's a picture book primarily. It's yeah. tar- it's, it, it was written for elementary school readers. So it is a primarily like a, a picture book. 
Um, and I don't know about other people's libraries, but I can't go into my library and find porn anywhere. And I mean, that's it, not quite to the extent of some porn, I guess, because I've heard, you know, there's some pretty weird stuff out there these days. Um, but this seems to me like pornographic material that shouldn't be in libraries. Period. Yeah, I've seen I've seen arguments that obviously it's a, a formative narration of what it means to be lesbian, gay, whatever. I I'm not really sure in terms of how re, how realistic it may be that this is in a school library because I don't see any justification for it to be in a middle school or an elementary school library. Um, I've seen some things that says it's in a they are in public libraries in the adult section. So I don't I don't even necessarily want to say that this is geared towards kids necessarily. Um, I've heard this thing from, um, you know, I've heard Destiny say this, and I agree to the sentiment that the problem with the left is that there are radicals and extremists on the left that um want to do weird stuff like they would actually advocate putting this book in an elementary school and the problem with the left is like the more rational ones arguably instead of condemning this type of situation like a paul probably would or connor probably would or even wick probably would instead of that the the popular consensus is just defending it because it's on the left and that actually goes hand in hand what we were talking about before how democrats are very much willing to defend their side regardless if they believe it or not and that's a big problem with the left is they're not willing to condemn things that are obviously stupid and wrong so i know sometimes the right uses much uses propaganda to a certain extent and says things that are that could be untrue so i would have to factually be sure that this is something that is being pushed in elementary or middle schools i don't see any justification for it i mean i feel like the only states that may do is like something like mm -hmm. california but california is crazy so with that said i would have to be very sure but in terms of public libraries i can't see a reason why you would take it out of public library if it's in the adult section and i see it i did see that some things that were said some kind of comparisons that were said is like okay what about those lewd anime anime manga because i mean to be fair anime manga can be very very lewd so um yeah if it's a public library for everybody keep it out of the kids section make it very clear that this, this is an adult book if you want to read it when you're 18 then go ahead but if it actually is in middle schools elementary schools arguably high schools i'll be willing to engage that conversations but yeah, if they're in those at those locations, get rid of it. And anybody who tries to kind of defend it, they're just, you know, a lefty defender that doesn't know what they're talking about. They're just talking insane stuff. So it doesn't really help the situation. Um so the other topic, and I was telling you about telling you about it a little bit, is that mm -hmm. there's something really cringe going on in society. So a new popular trend that is going on is TikTokers are going on the streaming platform and it makes it very easy to interact with those content creators. And what you could do is you can send them these different kind of emotes or these different type of actions or animations for them to react.
And it, it reminds me of the trend back in the day with those weird kind of weaves that would kind of do those cringe ass dances on TikTok. Well, this is basically the same thing. They're bouncing up and down like they're kind of bouncing on something and doing cringe actions. And anytime someone sends them an animation or a, a icon or whatever, they would go like, oh, in terms of them getting electrocuted or a meow if a cat is sent to them or, you know, just really cringeworthy stuff like if you saw a rational person on the side of the street doing these actions you would think they were insane this is just not normal behavior but obviously when you see one individual who starts doing it and obviously the the person that starts doing it is a white girl that's dressed as like a anime character who's really attractive so you you go off the trend of her it starts with a girl like that and then everybody else sees like, oh, this is, I can make some easy money like this. So we got more people starting to do it and more and more people willing to kind of bail out their integrity to do this stuff. So yeah, it's super cringe. What do, what do you think about Jonathan? Uh, I think that that's insane. I would be curious to know the the average age of the person who does that. And then, like, whatever the average age of the person that does that, add 10 years, and that should be the voting age for America. So, well, like, they look like they're in their like, 20s. <laughs> then we need, then I, I will be willing to forfeit my vote and to make the voting age 30. Like, I, I'm down to do that. Like, if the average person is like, like 18 doing it, make the voting age 28. Like, I'm fine with that. I will, I will forfeit my vote. Because the people who do that sort of thing, they're obviously, they're not paying attention to politics. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand what the Democrats believe nor what the Republicans believe. They don't, they don't pay attention to policies that are being promoted. Yeah, they're just making an easy buck by doing some cringe stuff. But there's an interesting but argument that comes out of this. And that interesting argument comes down to the age-old debate of responsibility between consumer mm -hmm. versus the product. And obviously, this is, goes way deeper since the product is a human. And this plays yeah. not only plays into the aspect of being extremely cringe on TikTok live streams, but I mean, the, the argument can go to things like porn as well, things like OnlyFans as well. So we see these individuals that are doing these very cringeworthy things but the consumers that is playing into the popularity of these things are more than likely these very either cringeworthy kids who have no life or kids or teenagers or these old more than likely old men that are depraved and pathetic so mm -hmm. these are the people that tend to buy into this and tend to feed into this and this is just another example of how they can do that because for the most part the people who tend to benefit the most from this we know who they are the tend the people who tend to benefit the most are very attractive young women mm -hmm. and all they got to do is this cringeworthy stuff all they got to do is make an only fans all they got to do is make porn and you got well, these depraved men kind of feeding into them the problem, the problem, especially with things like like OnlyFans, is obviously 
it's not very edifying for any of the parties involved. It's not good for you. Um, secondly, I'm not sure the exact statistics, but it's like of the, the population of, of women who are on OnlyFans, a minute fraction of the people actually make anywhere near amount of money to be worth anything. So of the probably hundreds of thousands at this point of people who are on it, most of them are just selling their bodies for nothing. And, and that's not okay. That's not okay. The other thing uh, with things like TikTok is, is, is obviously that there's something like unnatural about that sort of thing. Like, I, I don't know how true this is, but this is something that I've heard that, and, and I would be willing to believe it is in, in China TikTok is more of an educational platform. Like it's a bunch of people teaching you educational things, how to work with wood, how to work with your hands, how to do mathematics, all those sorts of things. And I would be willing to believe that based on, you know, my dad having been to China numerous times telling like, like they would send like letter letters, like handwritten and they so his students would send letters back to his parents like with postcards and when they got back home the letter that they wrote was different than the one that their parents received so even like letter through the mail was read through and edited and changed and so when it comes to the tiktok that we have here in america there's legitimate problems with it uh, there's something unnatural about standing in front of a screen doing a weird dance and then pretending to get struck by lightning, pretending to meow like a cat, to bark like a dog, to do all of these very strange and unnatural things. I think to some extent it, it is actually degrading to the person who's doing it. Like the person who's willing to like, we, we here are obviously both sitting in front of a screen, sitting in front of a camera, but we're doing something that has been done since the time of Athens, discussing important topics that are affecting our society what neither of us are doing and and who knows i might find a a waddell lewis live stream of you jumping up and getting struck by light but i doubt it there's a huge difference one of these two uh, the only thing i think that could make this conversation even better is if we were in person and or smoking a cigar like that would make it even better. But yeah, what is what is not good is jumping up and down in front of a, a, a camera and pretending to get struck by lightning by people who this individual will probably never see, doesn't know their names because all their names are like Hugh Chungus or these fake names that are just and then Hugh Chungus or you know Mike Oxlong two two one four five or probably four twenty sixty nine. Like these fake people who don't post their actual pictures online and who just do weird and lascivious acts. There's something unnatural about that. And I think that this is one of the things that's bleeding into our society. I, I very much agree that it's unnatural. Um, I'm not willing to concede that China might be doing something to America's algorithm to make us crazy. Is it possible? I'm, I'm not. Sure I wasn't. I wasn't. Like, oh, I know. I don't think you were saying either. that, but a lot. You gotta. You gotta clarify these things for because people on yes. the conservatives on the right definitely believe China's manipulating the algorithm to make Americans. Crazy. They definitely be, believe. Like that. I wouldn't be like, oh my god, I never saw that coming. If it was true, 
but I'm also hesitant to get involved in the conspiracy theories like that. Yeah, I'm. But... I'm. You when it comes down to these those type of topics, you can entertain the idea as plausible with enough evidence because. One thing you don't want to do is be blissfully ignorant, but you can't yes. let those conspiracies, especially without evidence, dictate how you navigate life. So yes. my thing is, considering I don't really believe that China is trying to manipulate the algorithm, I think what it really shows is, one, obviously, China controls all the information in their own country and actually forces certain types of information on their people. And they can do that because they're a communist country. So that's one thing. The second part is, since America is so free and we are allowed to absorb any media that we want, for the most part, barring some examples we've talked about time and time again, this arguably could be what the consumers want. And that is the problem. The consumers want the weird, cringe stuff, especially it, this is mostly like the people people need to recognize the people who are on the Internet all the time. The people who are on TikTok all day, the people who are on social media all day, whether you want to agree with it or not, those people are people more than likely they don't have life that they don't have a life. They don't really have a personal life. They don't really interact mm -hmm. with people that much. And I'm not saying they time and time, like time again, time and time again, social media users where you use it momentarily. I'm talking about who spend every waking moment on the site and on the platform. Those people yeah, the are people who spend nine hours plus. I would. Exactly. So I guess I would readdress my statement about the age. I wouldn't be surprised if the average actor in those TikTok videos was was 20, you know, in their teen, late teens, early 20s. I would be surprised if the average consumer of that information, of those videos, was over the age of, say, 15 or 16. I would be willing to bet that the majority of people, and this might be optimistic of me, but I am hesitant to believe that 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds are uh, absorbing that kind of ludicrous, weird, strange, quirky kind of videos. At least when, when I was that age, which was only a couple of years ago, because I'm not that old, that would be you. If, if anybody found out that you were watching some weird TikTok stream of a person pretending to get struck by lightning or meow like a cat, like your, your public life is, you might as well dig a hole in the ground and just live in it because your life was over publicly and i school. very much agree to that i think more than likely the people who are spending money for these situations are people that's like over the age of 40 those are the people yeah. probably doing so it. there's there's either two people who are doing it the people who like you said are, are are rather perverted and they're they're old quacks or they're like 12 year olds 13 year olds who are just watching the streams and or mommy and daddy doesn't really check the credit card bill and so they don't really know, like, oh, can I buy this? Yeah, sure, whatever. And so they're young people. Because at least when I was, like, you know, a teenager, um, like, I would, if, if, I, if I was interested in something, but I thought it was kind of weird, I would just forfeit that. Because I was a cool teenager, I had to be a macho guy, and I couldn't be perceived in that light. 
And so I would be shocked if the average person and the problem is, is 12 is actually much more of a malleable age, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, than is 17, 18 or 19. And so I it's even worse. If I agree that the, the, the majority is actually 12, I think the majority, well, the majority watching, you may be able to argue is like young kids. But the, yeah. the 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 percentage of people that's making this a trend are the old perverts because they're the yeah. ones paying these people to make and making them so popular. That, that very well could be, but it's also the the, for lack of a better term, the actors in those streams, the influence, excuse me, the influencers. Let's say, and the reason that that is a problem is because as they do that more, they distance themselves even further from reality. And they, and the reason that they're doing that is because they're just giving into their fantasies of being popular. I think we've talked about this before. There's a very big difference uh, now, as opposed to 30 years ago, of a star, right? 10 years ago, like there was only a handful of stars, let alone 20 years ago, let alone 30 years ago. If you were a star, that pretty much meant the entirety of America knew who you were. You are a household name. Like um, uh, Humphrey Bogart, for example. Like Even most people now still know who that is. Is obviously the actor from Casablanca. But now, like you can even reference a very popular person that I've never heard of. I hadn't really heard of Destiny before you brought him up. But this is a very popular individual, somebody who makes a living off of being an influencer. And then there's people like Chris Pratt. There's the movie star actors as well. But even a relatively famous movie star actor now can still not be a household name. And there's people that I like and I like to listen to. Like you've probably never heard of Jonathan Pajot. Have you ever heard of him? What does he do? So he's a he's a podcaster and an artist. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So he's also a very famous individual in the spheres that I like. And so then now these TikTok influencers are also being this kind of strange. They have this strange celebrity status that actually serves no function. But the problem is, is they will have a huge influence on these people who absorb their content's lives because they're perceived in the status of celebrity, even though all they do is do weird TikTok dances. Yeah. And that's a problem. It's uh it's very interesting to see how these trends go because when it comes down to the the more, I guess, PG cringe space of TikTok of becoming popular through, you know, ridiculous means but to some perverts and some young kids cute mean cute means in a way or the kind of belle de fiend types right they they dress very quirky um they put on makeup to make their skin very smooth they're very cute they they look very pretty in the face um they put on like pink hair or whatever very very uh kind of tight or small clothing maybe put on some cat ears so this 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 type of actor as we as we're talking about it are the ones that tend to popularize these very cringe trends that other people hop upon either as a troll or due to kind of feed into it and obviously the only people who really make money from it are probably going to be the 
the attractive women, right? But it's interesting to see that this type of individual, this type of kind of stereotype of a woman who kind of gets this popular, they do this. And then in terms of like OnlyFans and the porn industry, the, those type obviously go in a very much different route where they make sure they get certain surgeries to get, make certain areas look bigger and uh, all that stuff. So it, there's there's plenty of perversion to go around for things to kind of get trendy. And I would say what makes the the TikTok live stream a lot more concerning because the the OnlyFans stuff, we could all have a whole conversation regarding that. What Matt, what makes that con concerning is it's kind of pathetic men who want to be with the person and you know gets kind of obsessed with the person. Yeah. What makes the the TikTok stuff kind of uh, very cringe is the the person who starts the trend tends to look very young and be very young. And not only that, the actions that they're doing, the dances they're doing, the voices they're doing, the what they're doing are kid-like. These are kid-like actions. These are specifically kid-like actions. So what kind of gets popular here are things that may appeal to those kids, obviously, but the perverts that we're referencing are very, very disgusting perverts. The reason why they like this stuff is because it's a young girl doing it, and it's because the young girl's doing things that is very kitty-like. That's why they use a kid voice. That's why they do kitty dances. That's why this happens. So this this plays into the depravity of I certain individuals, for sure. I think there's two prongs to that. I think you're totally right that there is some some pedophilic things about it. But I think there's also I think that the people who do that, uh, who do the acting portion of this, right, they're probably also likely to have a, a large over overlap. And I don't know if this is entirely true. This is speculation on my behalf. Uh, probably have a relatively large overlap of the Disney adult thing of like adults who are still obsessed with Disney. And in some, they're they're stuck. They're they're forever perpetual children. They're infantilized, and they're they're living uh, off two things: off of the affirmation of other people, right? Because all they probably do is wake up in the morning and look at their specs on how many likes they got, comments they got, all these sorts of things. And then they live off of the notion of being able to recreate and relive childhood memories. And that's also a problem because it's a lack of psychological and cognitive development. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised about that either. It seems like you have a big issue with Disney. That's what it seems like. You, you have some uh, qualms with Disney. No, I I don't. You know, I I have some qualms with some of the more recent things that they've done. But you know, I'll I'll admit. I mean, I still watch some of the old Disney movies because uh, they're good, and there's nothing wrong with. Uh, on one side or another, you know, every once in a while being kind of sentimental and going back and watching a childhood favorite movie. Don't have a problem with that at all. The problem is when you live through it. And I do think there's something strange about the Disney adults that go back every every couple months to go to, and they, they don't go with their kids. Either they just go with themselves. Uh, just like the people who, I think it was a couple months ago, Many people probably maybe don't even realize this, but they relaunched an adult kids meal. So it was literally a kids meal that came with a toy, but marketed for adults. 
Interesting. And I didn't this know was at that. McDonald's. Yeah, this was at McDonald's for I think it only lasted for like a couple of weeks, but there was a time it was like six months ago when they released a adult kids meal. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it probably plays into the fact that these individuals kind of hate their life and want to go back to when things were better. So, yes. you you really that that one's a little bit a little bit tougher to kind of deal with. But let's move on to the main topic of discussion: abortion. So, I've we've talked about a little bit in regards to the abortion discussion. I and I think there's kind of two prongs to go over this discussion there's politically how you can look at it and obviously morally how you can look at it of course now i gonna be honest my moral beliefs and my political beliefs um don't necessarily align i when i articulate it i'll be more sure on how it compares to at the very least jonathan's but I think there I think you can look at this in very a lot of different ways when it comes down to the abortion discussion. Now, I guess I want to start off with kind of how I see abortion and my opinions about it. And I've talked about it a few times when it comes down to the podcast. Obviously, I posted some clips here and there and of course, I'm going to have some people agreeing with some sentiments I said, some people saying, you're a man. Well, how dare you talk about what a woman can do with her body? So, you know, you're going to get those type of opinions, of course. And I, I mean, I don't really care. I'm just here to have the discussion. So my thing regarding abortion that I want to make very clear is that I think there is an innate problem when people try to have a discussion in trying to dehumanizing or tries to dehumanize the fetus. Stop right there. Yes, this is a little mini ad. Don't skip. Don't skip. All I want to tell you right now is that at the end of the day, when it comes down to all the discussions I want to have, I want to be able to communicate with you, the audience. I want to be able to relay a message and receive a message from everyone and try to come up with these great solutions that I keep on talking about. So if you want to be part of the community, make sure you go to the website and sign up for not only the email list so you can get weekly emails from me for the podcast episode, informational sessions, all that great stuff, but also sign up to go on my Discord so you can be part of the discussions, debates on my live streams. So be sure to go to the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com and go to the email list, sign up and go to the Discord and join the server. Now back to the episode. And the reason why I find this a problem is one, a fetus is a human. Like we all know that it's a human. And I think the the conversation saying it's, you know, not until it's out of the womb or until it has consciousness. I'm willing to engage in the consciousness discussion, but I think that makes things too murky. I think once it kind of develops all its proper features, you can definitively say it's human but i would say the moment life begins the spark of life is obviously a conception so once you recognize that this thing is a human this fetus is a human this there's a lot of ways you can kind of go about this and that's at this point i don't try to play the moral hierarchy card because i personally believe and this is probably where someone in my position who said what I just said probably would disagree with what, what I'm about to say is I don't believe all humans are equal. I just don't. 
And the reason why I say that is because generally you could argue humans should be equal, but realistically they're not. And there's a lot of different examples and different functions of when a human is treated differently. There are certain thresholds you can meet that they should have an innate right, but I don't think every human hits that threshold or I don't think every human is at that threshold at every part of their life based on how how they live. And we can go into that a little bit more later. So with that said, because I think that way and I do understand that a fetus is a human, my emotional moral connection to person having an abortion is not there i'm not kind of condemning the person if they have an abortion if they have an abortion they have the abortion that's fine but you need to recognize that the decisions you led up to you having an abortion is the decision leading up to you getting rid of another human being so this this, this important this is important to note because it really sets a type of standard that the actions you are doing consistently aren't an actions of just getting rid of a bunch of cells, but it is an action of getting rid of human, another human being, regardless of, you know, if you think of it as a lesser level or equal level, it doesn't really matter. So that's kind of how I perceive the moral argument. And that's why, you know, if you have an abortion, fine, you have an abortion. We can go into politically where I think you should where it should be illegal we can go into that but that's kind of how i dive into that the moral argument of what is human why people shouldn't do it what precedent my moral standard would set and how people would think before they just keep on having sex and having babies and getting pregnant so let me uh let me hear your thoughts jonathan um so obviously i i agree with some of what you said um uh... Obviously, I believe that life begins at conception, right? Um, I don't think abortions should be allowed, period, because it is a life. And I, I, I even, to some extent, agree with what you said about all humans are not equal. But all humans are equal in the sight of God. That's the important thing. That's what our bill of, or that not not our bill of rights, but rather our Declaration of Independence says: is is all humans are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, and a lot of the founding fathers believe that sort of thing, which is why there was such a contentious argument. I don't want to get into it too much, but around slavery at the time of the founding, because they wrote that down, and so then an issue had to be: how do you make them less human so that we can get away with this? That's obviously a moral failing, and that's exactly what's going on with the, the quote-unquote fetus. And what most people don't realize is when they use the term fetus, right, many of our scientific quote-unquote terms are actually just Latin words, and the word fetus in Latin means offspring, which is synonymous with the word child. So even if you use the word fetus, you're still just saying child. It just sounds less um, nice. It sounds less childlike. It makes it sound less like a child when you use this a strange Latin word because few people know Latin anymore. But yeah, yeah they want to dehumanize means, it, so they use that. They term. want to dehumanize it, which is exactly what happened um, with slavery and the early American uh, founding. But 
you know, I, I, I don't like the idea of abortion, obviously, because I believe that it is murder. And, you know, even the eyes of our law see it as a murder, because if I was to go kill a pregnant woman right now, uh, I would be charged with a double homicide. And I believe still every state, they'd at least try to peg me with a double homicide because you obviously killed the mother and the, uh, the, the baby inside. And if you don't kill the mother, but the baby doesn't. So like if I was to hit a woman with a car and she was pregnant and the mother didn't die, but the baby inside miscarried, I would actually still get uh, charged with vehicular manslaughter because I killed the baby. So the eyes of our law still see it as a child, as a human life as well. You know, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, very philosophical arguments I could make, you know, but I don't want to get over philosophical, but at the start, that's, that's where I would start on this topic is obviously life begins at conception. The fetus, you know, it is a fetus because it's, it's a, it's an offspring. It's a child. It's a living creature. Um, there's a lot of scientific things you could get into as well. Um, but yeah, I do. I, it is a life. And so ending that life is wrong. So um, inherently, that's kind of the, the first thing when it comes to the thresholds. And I mean, I completely understand. And I would probably prefer people just see all human life as like worthy of living. I would prefer that. It's just, you know, I don't think that's realistic to what society actually is. And there are some examples. So that wait, would... what do you what do you mean by that? Like, not everyone is worthy of living. You, um, you don't think society thinks that way? No, I don't think society thinks that way. So In what way? So my thing is there innately, if you meet another random human, you may not want to obviously go into your bag of thoughts and say, yeah, that, that person doesn't deserve to live. Probably innately on the general spectrum, you would kind of see any average human without any context as someone that you don't necessarily want to live, but you don't necessarily want to not live. But once you add the context and they're in certain contextual scenarios, you would either risk or allow their life to disappear or adamantly make sure their life is gone. Mm -hmm. And in certain examples, that would be, you know, self-defense example, right? There would be a circumstance where someone is about to threaten you or your family. And at that point, you decide you're not worth living. In the situations of war, there's plenty of situations where you, obviously you're going to have to survive this battlefield and you're going to have to win in behest of your country or whatever territory you're defending. That mm. person is not worth living. In the situation with um, a coma patient, now there's a lot of example, uh, permanent coma patient, not just you know one that's about to wake up. But there are a lot of kind of arguments behind that one as well in the sense that once you know that they are not going to wake up ever again, at that point, it's not that you want them to die, but you realize that their life should be forfeited. So in a general spectrum, I do believe, for the most part, barring psychopaths, that people don't want other people to disappear I would even argue, generally, people appreciate other human lives because we're social creatures, of course. But in a lot of contextual scenarios, there are plenty of circumstances where, as a society, we even accept it as you 
that other person shouldn't be alive. That other person should be dead. Religiously, I don't, I mean, for someone that's Christian like yourself, I wouldn't imagine any of them to think of this way. But, you know, America is not inherently a fully Christian society. So I think a good chunk of people probably would think this way. Mm. I think that's a little bit cynical. I think most people, I I understand where you're coming from. I think, like I, like I said, I think that's a little bit cynical. I think most people have a general sense of apathy, and people only really begin to think that way when they're being inconvenienced by other people. I think when people uh, are inconvenienced by others is when they begin to not really care if they're around. Um, but I think I don't generally... even think that's true. And what I mean by that is the the example I'm about to bring up is not necessarily them wanting the other person to die, but them not caring if they live or die. And those examples would be people in other countries. Everybody in America does not give two shits about other people in other countries that are dying and in a war currently right yeah. now. And we yeah. even see people go even further about that when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine situation. Some people would rather us leave Ukraine alone and just let them all die. So it even goes beyond inconvenience inherently. And it may be cynical. But the people you probably, the only ones you actually care about, whether they live or die, are the people within proximity of you. Except the really good people like you, Jonathan, who cares about people. And I appreciate those people who care about people. But I don't think that's normal. I think that's, I I can see that. I can see that. And I wouldn't say that I'm a very good person. I'd say that I'm an average person. Um, But there's there's a difference. An average Christian is a good person than like the rest of society. Yeah. Well... Then I'm a below average Christian. But anyways, the point like the this is a doctrine of the Christian faith, right? That everybody has value in the sight of God. And uh, there's something that you brought up that I would also like to address because there's some misconceptions because there's some people who we talked about this before, such as Nick Fuentes, who really, really does a huge disservice to a Christian. There's this notion and you brought up you don't really care if somebody has an abortion or not. Right. Uh, they made that decision and they have to face the consequences of that decision. I would say any legitimate Christian, a Christian who has an understanding of the faith and is really earnestly seeking and desiring to be like God, to, to, to follow Jesus's command and be perfect as I am perfect. Obviously, we'll never make that standard, but that does not excuse us from that journey. There is a very unpopular doctrine of the Christian faith which is do not judge lest ye also be judged. And some people, uh, some poor Christians, I would say, and I don't mean to be overly harsh, but some Christians don't think that that means what it means. Uh, That, oh, well, he didn't really mean don't judge. He meant don't judge unfairly, don't judge this. No, I think when God said don't judge, when Jesus said don't judge, that means don't judge. And so if someone was to get an abortion, I would be disheartened and I would be sad that that life was lost. But at the same time, I don't want to judge that person. And I might judge them at first glance because I am I am fallible and I'm a human. But hopefully I would have the wherewithal to then repent for that sin on my behalf. 
Because one of the things that is also a Christian doctrine that many people don't realize is that God views all sins as the same. It doesn't matter if I lied on my taxes or if I went and committed a murder or if I did anything. Jesus views all sins as the same. And that stands true for all things. And so the same thing is true with an abortion. Somebody who has an abortion is no different than someone who has premarital sex and is no different in the sight of God as someone who, you know, one time jaywalked because in a lot of states, jaywalking is illegal. And if you jaywalk, you can get charged with the crime. God sees no difference in that. And so I should seek to have no, I should seek to have no difference. There is a difference, however, morally and consequentially to the person who, like Margaret Sanger, who pushes abortions and sees it as a virtue who is seeking to get rid of a particular race of people. That is a whole different ballpark. That's a different game. I am still not speaking on behalf of God, saying that God cannot redeem that person, but that is a different moral sin. So when it comes to abortion on the on the personal level, you know, I, I'm sad if, if you made that decision that doesn't mean you can't be redeemed and that doesn't mean you can't realize an error and try to correct it. Yeah, that's um it's very powerful because even when you come down to either of our kind of moral systems, my moral system really kind of aligns to understand it's human and because you understand it's human, you think about your actions more so. I think that's very powerful. But also the the people when it comes down to the the decisions that they're making Pre and after, I do think I've hear I've heard time and time again from anecdotal scenarios and circumstances where they either regretted it or they are happy that they didn't do what they were about to do. Because yes. once you realize it, for me, I understand it's human. And even though you may not agree with the second part, like I said, I'm not I don't blame you if you don't blame, agree with the second part about all humans not being equal. Most people won't agree with it. So if you understand it's human and you do the action, that will affect you for the rest of your life. Permanent. Mm -hmm. And that's something people need to consider because you could do the action. You could be in your early 20s and do it and whatever. And then you, maybe 32 years old, you found God or you found a more concrete moral structure. And you realized that when I was in my early 20s, what are you going to think? You're going to think to mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. that I killed two people. That is what's going to happen in that scenario. That's what's going to happen in that situation. And some people can live with that. Some people can't. Some people will regret it for the rest of their lives. Some people will seek forgiveness. So either of the systems that There's... we're portraying, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, finish, and then I'll say what I was going to say. Okay. So either of the systems that we're portraying, what it really provides for people is a sense of understanding of the actions you are about to commit. And mm -hmm. that is important for me because once people truly understand what they're about to do, that is the best deterrent of not doing it versus just people telling people no or yes. And we'll go into the stupid arguments of either sides, I'm sure, and why they mm -hmm. say you should or shouldn't do it. But yeah, go ahead. So this is something that I've learned from, from Dostoevsky. 
right? And I'm going to plug my podcast here for a second because I have an episode coming out, I think, in two week time, uh, two weeks time about this particular book that he wrote called Crime and Punishment. And in this book, um, somebody committed a, a you could call it, I guess, a justified or moral murder. So he he was uh, the, the character's name is Raskolnikov. And Raskolnikov thought that he could kind of save this city because there's this old crone who was just kind of robbing the city blind. And she had all the stockpiles of money. And he said, that I'm going to become a savior and I'm going to murder that lady, take her money and give it around and I'll be a hero. And he does it. And then as soon as he does it, as soon as he, he, he commits the murder, he realizes the heinousness of his actions. Because then he actually kills another person to cover up that murder. So he commits two murders when he's only planning on one. And he realized in that moment that the, the ideology that he had been suffering under immediately vanished when he realized the consequences of his actions. And I think this happens a lot with the abortion argument. There is a whole lot of rhetoric or what I call sophistry. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, you see that my my headline thing, whatever it might be called, is defeating the sophists because sophistry and rhetoric is the same thing. Sophistry is making the worse argument the better through clever language. And that's also, in a lot of ways, what ideology is. So there's a lot of these these women that are are, are captured by this, this sophistry that, oh, it is a good thing to have this, to to kill your child because it'll make you free. It'll make you without consequence. It'll it'll make you happier because you won't have this responsibility. But what happens time and time again, and you know this, you can say this anecdotal, but I think this would bear out in science, that these people who do it, they come to it maybe right away, um, maybe in a couple of years, maybe in ten years' times. But they realize all of a sudden the gravity, or a lot of times, what happens is. It's a young girl who wasn't ready to have a baby and got an abortion. And then when she had a baby, when she was ready years later and actually was holding it, realized how horrible her actions were in the past. I think that's what happens most times. And they don't get away with it. You know, Raskolnikov in, in that book thought that he could get away with it, but you don't. Nobody ever gets away with anything in their lives. You always face the consequences of your actions. And when you make good decisions, there's good consequences. When you make bad decisions, there's bad consequences. And those always catch up with you at some point or another. Very much agree. So I want to dive into kind of the, the political argument a little bit. And I think the importance when people dive into politics, and this is why it kind of differentiates itself from my moral standing, is when I'm looking into politics and what I believe the purpose of politics should be, is when you're establishing a type of rule, bill, precedent, a solution of a problem or a discussion of a topic, this application of said topic is not just for you and the people you care about, but it's for you and the nation as a whole. You have to over apply what you're discussing to the populace as a whole and see if it applies. I don't believe my moral standing would apply because I don't think people have the nuanced thinking to differentiate the things that I was talking about. But what I do believe is you can find fine lines 
to kind of figure out places where people all should be able to understand where you lie on either side. So when it comes down to the abortion, inherently, I don't care if you make it or I don't care if you do it. Um, I do think the deterrent that I said earlier would be a great deterrent, but that's not, just not going to work for people. So innately, politically, if I would had if I were to argue where is my cutoff line, I would say the moment they develop all of their human features is where I would brought to create my cutoff line. And there's two reasons why I believe a cutoff line is important. First reason, the cutoff line for the all the human features, all of that is formed. And I think that's either 12 or 18 weeks. I'm not I don't really remember. But it should be around the first trimester or the end of first trimester. So I'm thinking end of first trimester around there. I may be wrong in terms of the time frame. But what I'm talking about, I still applies. So the reason why I put it there is because I think it's very easy to distinguish it as human. Because all the features are there to see it as human. At that point... The the argument is like, oh, it's going to grow into a human. And like the brain is fully developed. Like it, it is human. It It's just obviously going to keep on developing. I've heard some arguments in terms of structural, um, the structural formation of the brain is there. It's just going to keep on developing. The structural formation of all the body is there. It's just going to keep on developing. So it is going to keep on growing and develop. You don't stop developing until you're like 25 years old anyway. And then it's human easiest way to identify it which is why i would say that's a good cutoff time whatever that weak standard is the second part of it the reason why i think it's important is i feel like it's pretty obvious that we need to have a cutoff time to when it comes to abortion we shouldn't be allowing abortion willy-nilly and people to have an abortion whenever they want there's so many reasons why that would be problematic one it will start keep the it'll start uh dehumanizing uh, fetuses more and more the more normalized it becomes if you keep on having abortions um it will feed into the pr promiscuity problem that people are already having in america and when it comes down to the population obviously if we're not having babies our population's not growing and that's not good either so there are so many reasons why we don't want to just allow anybody at any time to have abortion that is ridiculous and that's nonsensical so um yeah those are my two reasons why politically we should have it and that is my cutoff time so i'm you said life begins at conception though right i did yes i think that's when the spark so... happens that's when everything starts. What's the what's what's the spark? Spark is everything starts. The eggs, everything sperm starts. comes together and it's going to grow. How I think the best analogy cuz people set, try to use the stupid analogy of like, oh, you put a, a cake in the oven and you're not going to call it a cake. I mean, that's such a stupid analogy. The better analogy is you put a seed in the ground and you water it. The moment you water it and all the nutrients is going to the seed, at that point, if you don't touch it, it's going to grow and grow and grow. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's in the process of being a plant. It is a plant. It's starting so I'm actually, the, the process. I'm very, 
I'm very interested in the fact that you just used that analogy, right? Because that's actually one of the things that I was going to say, right? Aristotle, I'm, I'm about to, I said I wasn't going to get super philosophical, but here I go. Aristotle talks about the concept of like an apple. And, you know, there's the all these different stages, and I don't want to get too into it. But one of the things he, he made an argument that an apple tree is one of the most uh, important, like an apple tree is more of an apple than is an apple in some ways. And I, I'm, I'm sure there's people who probably get upset with me that I misquoted that or whatever. And the reason it is because it has the, the capabilities of producing more apples. And that's the same thing with the seed, right? The seed is so important because if you don't touch it, it then has the capability to produce more seeds. And that's what uh, that's kind of like the commandment that God gave us to be fruitful and multiply. This is one of the problems that I have with, you know, we talked about the over-the-counter abortion pills. I think there's a couple problems with that. One, we're already having uh, in, in uh, early stages of a sterility crisis in America because of a lot of these things. And uh, there's not a whole lot. There's some just broaching field of science. So I don't want anybody to come at me, but that's something that's beginning to happen. I know a whole handful of people who are in the prime stages of life who are having some sterility issues right now from, from a lot of these, uh, uh, what do you call them? Contraceptive uh, pills. I, I totally lost the word for what they're actually called. Um, but I think this, so that's one aspect of this. Uh, the other aspect is are you talking about birth control. It birth control. Yes. Birth control pills. Um, there's some just just kind of bubbling at the surface. A lot of people will call that far right extremist ideologies, um, but it does seem to be happening. On the other end, like you brought up, it will certainly certainly increase the uh, lewd and lasciviousness of young people to a greater extent. All of this very hookup culture sort of thing, I think, will certainly be increased by those abortion pills. Um, and I don't think that's good. I think there's got to be some physiological issues that we can't even foresee right now of people who are constantly taking over the counter abortion pills, like the destruction that has to happen to your body. If you keep taking those has to be astronomical. Yeah. I mean, I, when it comes to the abortion pill necessarily, that one's a lot more of an interesting discussion because, I, like you said, the, the purpose of these birth control pills or the abortion pill, well, I'm guessing the O-pill, is it a preventative measure? I didn't look into what it does. Or I don't know a whole lot. I'm assuming it's probably along the lines of like a, a plan B sort of thing. I yeah, so assume. I'm assuming you take it and it kind of prevents pregnancy versus it kills pregnancy that's what well, i'm what, assuming then it would but... well i'm assuming that it's a little bit different than that because then it's just another form of birth control but they're calling it an abortion pill so i'm assuming you can possibly probably excuse me take it right after you find out that you're pregnant and so it's going to be one of the sort of pills that you get for that uh but just over the counter I'm a, otherwise they I, otherwise I they it... would just call it a birth control no, yeah, you're right about that. I, I think it's might be pregnant. I think more than likely it's something you take after sex, just period, just in case. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know the potency of it. And I don't know when state. I'm assuming the effectiveness can only be done in terms of when it's in its very, very premature phases when the cells yeah. are too weak to withstand the chemicals in the pill. And I'm assuming the pills are not strong enough to the point where it won't kill a more matured fetus. So I think the probable best way, and I'm not a scientist, and I didn't even look into what the pill inherently does, but my assumption is you would take it after you have sex without a condom to make sure you don't get pregnant. But it's more than possible that it does have effects that's lasting in the later weeks. I just wouldn't be able to tell you as of right now. So that's an interesting discussion. I mean, I've always had a kind of wariness in terms of drugs in general. And this is just another addition to that because they can do so many things to your body. I don't really take drugs for the most part. I mean, I enjoy drinking alcohol when I'm with friends, but I don't drink it daily. I don't drink it on my meantime. I don't drink it by myself. I enjoy smoking weed with other friends. I don't look for it. I don't smoke it by myself. I don't smoke cigs. I don't really take any other drugs. Um, and it's not like I have this vehement, you know, scare. It's just I don't see a use of taking all this medication or all these different substances which can be unhealthy for your body and for people who have an addictive personality can get you addicted so i mean i'm in, under the camp of course that more than likely when you take too much of anything it'll be problematic especially when it's a kind of human orchestrated substance like all these drugs are in these pharmaceutical pharmacies of course so that's more of i believe a too much of anything type of situation but like you said, in a circumstance where, you know, people don't see the fetus as human, people who think, you know, can have an abortion anytime, those people are the perfect examples of the people who take it too many times and don't permanently affect your body. So that is the, the dangerous part of these kind of scenarios, especially when it comes to these drugs, is that the, the action that they're committing to kind of cause them from to do this is sex and sex is one of the more probably the most pleasurable thing you can do as a human being period and if you can keep on doing it without any consequence then people will take the easy way out without thinking of the long-term effects and we know for a fact that the people who actually have the most sex in the first place are people in the more poor and impoverished communities uh, they really don't have anything better to do. They're around more people. They, the, the values that they have are much lower, so they have a lot of sex. So these people who are already having problems and don't want to pay for more kids are going to look at this as the kind of, you know, a blessing in disguise to make sure that they, they don't get pregnant. So that kind of leads into a different conversation because we kind of went over the moral systems. We kind of went over the political system. Uh, I'm sure yours is hey man, contra contraception. Okay. Before we dive into the economic circumstance of abortion, right? I would have to ask you because people know where my stance is regarding all these issues. Hey, it's, um, I'm guessing this thing thing is at 18 weeks. People could fact check me if I'm wrong, but you know what I'm talking about when the brain is formed when the body's formed, no more abortions. So <laughs> there, with that said, there is that special exception that people like to use. And I'll answer it first, of course, and then you can answer it as well. But the special exceptions that even conservatives like to adhere to is circumstances regarding rape and circumstances regarding incest. 
So in those situations, when it's after the allotted period of, I believe, after the first trimester, which would, uh, I'm sure, uh, I'm not going to guess. Um, you know what I'm talking about. If it were, In regards to rape and incest, it's such an interesting conversation because inherently, obviously, you don't, as a mother, you don't want to have the baby. But morally... I would say for sure you can get rid of it because there's so many tr- there's so many issues regarding that situation and more than likely my my imagination is if the trauma is severe enough they would apply the trauma of the attacker to the baby immediately. Now there are examples where the mother still loves the baby despite the trauma but you know I don't, I'm not willing to take that gamble considering the circumstance and the situation in general. So I'd say it's probably better to kind of get rid of it. Um, but obviously foster care or, for- or orphanage is a solution, but I don't really trust those institutions that much either. So with that said, when it comes to politically, I would say in those circumstances of a person gets raped, I would, uh, especially if she's really young, I would say i'm okay with that in terms of incest i don't think that's a valid enough reason you you did it even you're stupid enough to do it with your your sister or your brother amen amen but that oh man that goes into the question of eugenics and like should we want more babies that are potentially mentally incapable that's a different conversation but rape for sure but um let me hear what you got to say, Jonathan. Rape and incest. How do you feel about those as conditions of having an abortion? Um, inherently, I don't like to set policy based on such a small fraction of the individuals who are getting abortions. The vast, vast majority of them are, are not getting who are uh, who are getting abortions are not the ones who were raped. Uh, incest, I think, is an interesting thing. Because a lot of people just... Well, can I come on that real quick and then you can continue? I don't like setting policies as well on exceptions, but I do think you should have conditions for exceptions. Sure. Okay. Um, Incest, I think, is an interesting thing because I I feel like the majority of incest cases are probably just also rapes. Maybe there are those people who really just like, man... Your sister looked at you wrong the one day. Your brother looked at you wrong the one day. And just I like, mean, Alabama goes crazy, know? bro. Alabama, yeah, you know. Um, but I feel like that's probably also just rape. But I feel like that's a euphemistic term that they just combine together rape and incest to try to make the category seem like it's bigger than it is. And and, and I could be wrong, but I think that it's just because you never hear whenever people are making the arguments for abortions. They never just say because of rape or because of incest. It's rape and incest. Even though I fig- feel like most cases of incest, they are probably rape. So it's really just rape. Um, could be wrong. That's how I look at that sort of thing, though. Um, regardless of that, right, I still, you know, this is probably very unpopular, but I don't like to play God. I don't like to play God. And, and having an abortion, in my perspective, in my view, is a way of playing God. And this I say this because I believe in a loving God, and I believe in his promise that he works out all things for the good of those who diligently seek after him and are called according to his purpose. 
right? And many individuals will be uh, much more cynical than I am. And maybe I'm uh, uh, fatally optimistic. I, I'm one of the least optimistic persons that I know personally. So I don't, I don't particularly think that. Um, but saying that is very unpopular because people, uh, even something that you just said, Riddell, I don't trust the, 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 um, you know, the foster care system, the adoption system. Um, I think adoption and foster care can be separated. I think you can give the baby up for adoption. There's plenty of people. I know several people that are on waiting lists to get adoptions, but our adoption system sucks because they charge you like $60,000 plus to just adopt the baby. When I, and I think when we have a system that preserves the woman's life or preserves the baby's life, rather, um, that should be the the primary goal is ensuring that that baby survives and is given into a loving home. I think there is one difference. There's one exception that is, uh, I think, a very fine line, but it is when the woman's life is going to be lost if this baby is carried to term. That's when I have a very big moral quandary. Um, about what do we do in that instance? I haven't figured that out for myself yet. I think in that case, the woman's life is probably the the thing that we should attempt to preserve. Um, but I just I I'm not sure about that. When it comes to just abortions in general, I think they should always always be shied away from. Always in, in every instance, in every case, it should. I I just don't. It's not right. It's it, it's it's a sin, in my opinion. Doesn't mean that God can't rectify that. It doesn't mean that that can't be recovered from. But I do not think it is correct to to kill a child. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna uh, kind of go back in my incest point. I'm gonna say I'm okay with incest getting getting rid of that. Uh, we don't. We we don't need more incest babies. I'm I'm sorry. We don't need more. Um, but uh, I would ha- I'm gonna have to push you on on a particular point mm-hmm. because this yeah. is important because this is something, and I agree it's a very rare exception, but it is a circumstance that does happen. I mean, we've had an example of it happening recently ish when Roe v Wade got overturned, and it's the situation where there's a young underage. Under mm-hmm. puberty girl. I know exactly what story you're talking about. And they spent a long time trying to find out who that woman was. And she did not exist. Fair enough. Right I don't know. I... Right after Roe, because I looked into that and nobody could find out who that person was. It was like a young 13 year old girl who was raped. Right. And they, she was forced to carry the baby to term. A bunch of investigative reporters tried to find out who that girl was. And nobody could find out who it was. Hey, that's fine. I'm not gonna talk too much about that story. Um, but the circumstances is what's important in this in this in the search situation, because it can happen, and I'm sure it has happened where an underage girl was raped and got pregnant. So in the situation where this underage girl was raped and got pregnant, and she wanted to get an abortion, I'm not talking about the, your moral standard. I'm talking about policy wise. Policy-wise, which I think is is different for me anyway, 
would you allow her to get an abortion or would you not allow her to get an abortion? And the reason why I'm portioning you, not because I'm trying to do anything crazy, uh, because these are questions, especially in an abortion debate, that will be asked. And these are the tough ones that you have to either stand ground or be able to answer. Yeah, no, I agree I that it's important to push back on these sorts of things. Um, I don't know that I would. Um, I don't know that I would allow that because two right or two wrongs don't make a right. So if she was raped, that's obviously horrible. And I think that if you rape a child um, and people will always say, well, how is this? How is this different? Uh, I think that that man uh, who raped that child, you know, should plausibly be executed. And people say, how is that uh, uh, congruent uh, believing in the death penalty? How is that congruent with um, abortion? Not, like those things, like how is that different? How do you separate that? Well, one, because somebody, uh, the, the person who is being executed has infracted upon the societal standards that we have agreed as a human species. And if he decided to act like a barbarian and act like a wild animal, then he should be treated like a wild animal. And the Bible uh, has very many instances of the death penalty being put in. It is not something that God frowns upon when you break his commandments. Um, I believe that, you know, if there is opportunity for him to repent before God, right? He can repent before God and God can save him, but that does not forfeit your physical consequences on earth. The child made no infractions. The child that is now born inside of that woman uh, has not committed any sin, has not violated any human standards. In fact, is doing exactly what that should be doing. It is growing, and hopefully it can live a flourishing life, and God can, can turn that bad situation for the good of both parties involved. And so I don't like to play God and say, oh, no, because, right, when you're in my shoes, when you live the experiences that I've lived, I don't want to do the my lived experience thing. But when you see the world perspective that I see, I happen to very adamantly believe that God is real. I don't like to play God. I don't like to, you know, buffer my thing by saying, oh, God probably won't. When usually he does. In fact, that's one of the promises. I can't separate the reality of God from the way that I perceive things politically, morally, philosophically. It's something that permeates every aspect of my life. It's something that is, a, is an application that I apply wholly to all situations. And, and, you know, a lot of people disagree with that perspective. Even a lot of Christians don't even believe in that way. They they separate their morals and their beliefs at church from what should happen in policy. I don't make that distinguishing. One of the reasons I don't is because America was founded on Christian principles and our government, uh, this is one of the things that you know our founding fathers said, is that our government is set up, uh, a government's job is to serve its people and ensure the flourishing of a society. And you don't get a flourishing society when the young are being killed, when the babies aren't allowed to be born. Because then if we keep killing all of our offspring, then there's not going to be anybody to keep flourishing, right? Because we're all going to be gone. Regardless, if it's a 13-year-old girl, I don't want to demean the, the trauma that must happen. But I would rather make sure that that, uh, that, that, that young woman uh, is given what she needs to 
I don't want to say come to terms because it sounds so animal and brutal, but the help that she needs psychologically and emotionally, I think she should start going to church, obviously, because that, that's what will help with that. But killing the baby doesn't make the situation better. And, and so this is something that Socrates says, right? It is better to have a moral sin committed against you than to commit a moral sin, right? Because one thing is uh, something done to me physically. The other is something that I have done that encroaches and, and kills a part of my soul. And this is one of the things he talks about uh, very often. It's better to have something done onto you than to do something onto somebody else. And so I think that more damage will be done if she's raped and then kills the baby than if she's raped and then gives birth to the baby. And, you know, if she keeps the baby in that aspect or, or gives her up for adoption is a different story. But that's what I believe about that. So I, I appreciate you kind of keeping it consistent because a lot of these times, especially once you truly believe that this is killing a baby, it only makes sense for you to kind of go down this line of reasoning. So I guess the follow-up question for this for you would be, how would you handle the next step? Would the expectation be that a 13-year-old now has to raise a baby that wasn't something she planned? Or should the baby go into the foster care system and the adoption system that we don't trust? What do you, what do you think would be more conducive to the baby living mm -hmm. that new life mm -hmm. that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. So I think if the mother is willing to, she should be allowed to keep the baby. If she doesn't want to, I would I would try to keep the baby away from the foster care system. I think um, the government does a very bad job with the regulation of adoption, right? Because I had family members that tried to adopt, um, friends that tried to adopt, but they have such a hard time adopting American children that what they end up doing is going over to places like Africa and adopting kids from there because it's so much easier. Um, adoption is not very easy in our society today. And you can, I can speculate as to why that is. I'm not going to do that, though. Um, but I think we should make concerted efforts to make adoption more possible for people. I also think that those who are going to adopt should be very thoroughly vetted because I don't want, this is one of the problems with the foster care system, right? Is if you sign up for the foster care system, if you pass the stuff, they really don't regulate it a whole lot. And so people could get stuck in very bad situations. Um, the other solution that I would say uh, that will also be unpopular because of some historical possible misconceptions, but also real stories is making churches a, a refuge for these kind of uh, broken down people uh, from the, the girls who are trying to put their kids up for adoption. I think the church uh, has an obligation to the widow and the orphan, right? This is something that Jesus also told us to do uh, as we are as the, the body of the church. And so the church can mean more than one thing, right? That can mean the building, but also uh, people who go in my circles of belief believe that the church is the people. Um, the fellow Christians are the church. And so Christians should do a much better job about attempting and desiring to adopt children uh, because we have an obligation to the widow and the orphan. 
So I think that those are the two things. We should make adoption more readily accessible than it is. And we should also, as the church, um, they should also be a, a, a f- this is, this is, the church is an institution that should be much easier to get support from and fall into when you're in need. And people will find that unpopular because they associate Christian with uh, some pretty negative things. But I just am speaking as kind of a religious institute, an institution of, you know, a political institution because politics just means public, right? So the church is supposed to be a public institution. Uh, and so it should be something that can be that should be able to be relied upon by the public. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, the last thing that I want to go over in terms of this abortion discussion, um, because when it comes to the adoption and foster care scenario circumstance, that is, I've said it pl- plenty of times, is the whole other discussion, uh, because I do think there's a valid criticism very valid criticism for the adoption system, foster care. There's a lot of hysteria and truthful notions of abuse and inefficiencies behind both systems. I've actually had someone come on my podcast that was adopted and she talked about her experience a little bit. So there, there's, a, there's a scare when it comes to the system to the point where it's like arguably, arguably mo- probably the most untrustworthy or untrusted institution in america by the public i would guess if you did a survey on which system do you like least without no like media bias you know with the police or the fbi or whatever from the right and the left i would assume the adoption of foster care system would be number one i would assume so um but with that said i want to dive into one more aspect one final aspect in regards to the abortion discussion uh, I'm not going to dive into my body, my choice, because I think that's a stupid argument. And uh, I've never heard a good argument for that discussion. If somebody wants to have that discussion, I'm sure you're going to comment in whatever clips that I post out. And I'm not going to engage with the conversation. So with that said, the the more interesting conversation I'm willing to discuss is regarding the, the economic one. And I was touching upon it a little bit earlier. So the economic discussion is in reference to most of these scenarios that we're going to discuss when it comes down to abortion are going to be people that are low income, are going to be people who are probably more impoverished. More than likely, it's going to be a minority, of course, and maybe even a very, very young individual. So these are going to be situations where there's not going to be a lot of money, a lot of accessible funds to maybe even start a family, continue a family, begin a family. So the discussion behind um, the legitimacy of abortion is not necessarily um, aborting because I'm poor, but it's in regards to the current climate of society. And you can argue, and Jonathan may argue, that abortion can help with this. But the current climate of society when it comes down to these communities is that there's a lot of sex, there's a lot of promiscuity, there's a lot of drugs, lewdness. It's just not in a kind of very cohesive environment. And in many of these communities, we have situations where there's absentee fathers that we've talked about time and time and time again. We have single mothers, we have broken homes, we have kids growing mental illnesses or kids growing very bad behaviors turning into some of the worst people because of these situations. So the 
the way promiscuity is going to go down is more of a culture shift. So I can't really see a situation where you just say abortion is banned and it's going to fix this scenario. It may, and we can potentially talk about that. But the reason why I bring this up is because in a situation where the abortion is completely illegal, because in my in my scenario, abortion is still legal. I think um, it, it should be to an extent that I already said. But this is more of a question for Jonathan, because this is another thing you would kind of run into, of course. Uh, the question would be for you is if you're making it completely illegal and the promiscuity does not go down, the lewdness that we're discussing does not go down. Wouldn't that just add on to the problems that currently exist in terms of these impoverished communities and the culture, creating more broken homes, creating more deadbeats? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that make things worse? Um. So, no, I don't think it would. And here's why. So Thomas Sowell, once again, actually points this out. A lot of the um, stereotypical minority behavior uh, that we see, you know, the uh, broken homes, the the absentee fathers, it first began around the late 50s, early 60s. And what started happening uh, around the 50s and 60s was uh, Planned Parenthood being instituted uh, in minority neighborhoods and the government subsidizing single mothers. And so what seems to have happened is when they started subsidizing single mothers and really churning out. I mean, they had, uh, there was a time when Planned Parenthood uh, would have representatives inside of minority schools and inner city schools, and they would hand pamphlets out to young women saying, hey, if you get pregnant, don't worry, you can just kill the baby. And so then what happened is the woman had no incentive to keep the man around. Because they would get more money if the man wasn't around because the government would start paying them. And if they decided they didn't want the kid, they could just go down to the abortion clinic and, and you know kick it out. And so removing those options would actually help them because that would give incentives to both the man to stay with the woman and the woman to stay with the man. And so I think that would actually begin to build family structure because they would once again need each other instead of uh, so there would be hopefully you know there could become once again a wanting of each other and i think inherently there is but we have this notion now that there's a soulmate out there for everyone and so and you can only find that soulmate by sleeping with as many girls as you can and then eventually you'll find the one but i I don't think that's true at all that's a topic from the time but not only hopefully could we create a wanting families to come back together but we would create a need for them to come back together if we got rid of the options of subsidizing a single parent and then making it very easy accessible and cheap to kill your children so i've definitely heard the conversation and discussion and tom soul is someone i've heard from of course in regards to welfare and abortion playing into welfare plan parenthood playing into the current kind of decline of these more impoverished minority communities. And 
I'm unsure if it's a direct cause and effect relationship versus it could be a potential tangential one or a potential um, coincidence. And I'm not denying the possibility because there's a legitimacy in terms of the logic behind what you said in terms of you give them benefits, you incentivize them to be alone due to welfare. Um, you give them the option of getting rid of the baby to have more kind of dopamine hits of sex constantly. So there, there are logical, plausible reasoning behind what you're saying, but I'm not going to engage into the potential cause of the current climate right now. What I am going to bring up is the current climate because just because that may or may not be the causal relationship doesn't necessarily mean that reverting back to a pro preliminary status quo will solve current issues and with the current way that human american citizens are thinking the the individuality that they automatically emit to themselves Matter of fact, they see themselves as themselves more than they see themselves even as a Christian or an American. The fact that they believe that they're entitled to certain ways of living with abortion, with promiscuity, with lewdness. With these things in mind, there is no guarantee that returning to the status quo will solve this issue. So and that's why I can actually... I can actually speak to that. Um, and so there's an article by Dr. Case and Dr. Deaton. And the, the, the article is primarily concerned with midlife mortality, right? And so it's a bunch of uh, – it, it can also be applied broadly – to the, the the depression rates and all these things and economic depression because it talks about that in the article as well it talks about the suicide the rise of suicide among middle aged people um, and I think it can apply to this topic in this manner they these two professors um, very prestigious professors at very prestigious universities um, they talk about a couple of potential reasons as to why there is this rise of depression and rise of midlife mortality. And one of the possible scenarios they talk about is lack of community and family breakdown. That's a very current perspective. The They were very particular, and when they talked about the community breakdown, though, they used uh, this idea of the shift to evangelicalism. Uh, for Christians away from what used to be the status quo of Catholicism. And I'm not a Catholic. I am actually an evangelical. Um, but when they spoke about Catholicism, there was a, a, a community religion. Catholicism is inherently a community religion. Uh, so everybody shares it. Evangelicalism talks about what you were just referencing, your individual experience with Jesus. And so everybody today is all about their individual experience. And uh, I think that, you know, that is an important part, but there should also be a, a communal aspect of it. This is why we're to not forsake the assembling together of the saints. But to your point about everybody caring about their personal 
satisfaction, their personal happiness. Everybody, you said we can't rely on on old status quo or old norms. And to that, I say, why? Because just because something is happening now doesn't inherently make it better than what has happened in the past. I've talked about this before on your show and on my show. Um, we have a very, very large ego on us when we say that for some reason, somehow in the last couple of years, we have overcome thousands of years of history, thousands of years of something that's worked. Is it more likely that we have learned uh, some more secret knowledge we've discovered something that the greatest thinkers of history have ever found or is it more likely that maybe we're just misthinking about something i think it is uh i think it's kind of a false flag to say well we can apply standards and norms that existed in the 60s because we're different now well it's, well just because something is different doesn't make it better but also by the same token just because something's older doesn't make it better either but something that worked for hundreds of years, I think, is better than something that is very obviously not working now. The problem is, is we are a very, very selfish creature, us humans. And this is true for me as well as other people. Um, you know, I am selfish when it comes to certain things, no doubt about it. But hopefully when I realize that my selfishness is actually getting in front of my way of flourishing, of my becoming better, I will have the ability um, to let go of my selfishness to improve myself. And it might, it will be painful at the outset. You know, when you have an old bad habit that you know you got to break, uh, it, it is harder for a while before it gets better. But eventually we can get to the point where even though something gave us instantaneous gratification, we can defer that to long-term gratification, which, once again, scientific study after scientific study, but also anecdotal and historical evidence has shown us is much, much better. So I don't, I don't care much uh, for the argument that, oh, well, now is different than what it was before. Uh, you know, the new way that the Americans think is different than the way that Americans used to think. Well, that is true. That doesn't make our thinking better by any stretch of the imagination. I would agree that it doesn't make our thinking better. But what I will say is that it makes our thinking evolved. And I think that's the important thing. If you want to establish a set status quo from back then, there is possible, possible possibilities that it could work, but it can't work the way it was used back then. It would have to be adapted to how things are now because the way that people are is not a circumstance of people are they are now because, you know, we just, you know, grew a couple of years later down the line and generations down the line. We grew to how we are now due to technology, due to social media, due to cultural norms changing, the interpretation of women going into the workforce, minorities going into the workforce, immigrants getting adapted to American society, different policies, including abortion, including the usage of guns. A lot of things have changed constantly and evolved from how they were then. And although I would say that there's more I would agree, like I said, I already said this, but I would agree that doesn't make our thinking now better, but it makes the living that we are currently in America now in terms of society in general, in terms of standard, not standard of living, but in terms of ease of living, now it's better. 
But the problem what we're having now is we're too progressive without considering how to conserve the important things of what it means to be human. We're going so fast that we're not understanding important principles. And those important principles can overlap with something like Christianity. I do think there's things that you can create yourselves, but I think the easiest way is for a certain step, a certain foundational principle, like a religion, like a, even you can refer to a status quo, establishing those type of principles into people so they understand. So when we go on the internet, we introduce ourselves to a lot of different people. We grow our perspective and our ability to communicate to a lot of different cultures, religions, and understand a lot of different individuals at a different level than we have ever done before in terms of consuming information. We get all that, but the problem with that huge amount of information that we're consuming and the interactions we are interacting with is that we don't have that proper nuance. We're not conserving the proper principles in terms of human interaction and human communication. The over excess of information can do a lot of dangers. It can easily manipulate you, especially if there's an algorithm that keep on pushing you to a certain way of thinking. It can easily kind of put you in an echo chamber that's not necessarily part of your community, but you believe it's bigger than your community because it's online where millions of people are. So you can see that even though our ways have evolved, we're not conserving certain things. And humanity is reaching a very interesting point, in my opinion, where we are progressing greatly. But now we have reached the point where our progression is going too fast i mean we're about to hit virtual reality and we're about to we're about to hit ai technology to a like extraordinary level and we just need to make sure when we go to these new levels they're conserving certain principles on what it means to be human and i've mm -hmm. had this uh, i'm this is probably a podcast episode for another day is we should have standards on what it means to be normal. And I truly believe that we should have standards on what it means to be normal. And I'm not going right back. No worries. I'm not going to a far reaching point where I'm saying, Hey, if you are a black American male who is over the five feet seven and who's not, you know, two fifty you are not normal. If you're not that, you're not normal, right? I'm not saying that. But there are certain standards that we should set into place that we know that these values and these foundations will lead to something more important than anything else in human history. And what that is, is more humans. Humans, forefront nature, should be continuing the human species. If we are setting precedent, if we're normalizing actions that are not conducive to that main purpose, unless we want us to die as a race, because I know people hate other humans. They like dogs more than humans sometimes. If we are not doing this foundational principle, then we're leading to the destruction of the human race. And right now, we need to figure out what is normal. We need to figure out what is conducive to a human race. And that's how we will continue to grow. And that's why I say that the status quo of before 
won't necessarily work based on how they were before, considering how we are now. But I would adhere to adapting them to the evolved way of we evolved way we are now. Um, because I do think there's legitimate arguments on certain principles being uh, returned. And we've seen it before. We we are going very deep into this. Sorry to bring this up, lefties. We're going deep into this kind of trans thing. And we see even other countries going, hey, well, maybe we should push back a little bit. That's a perfect example. Like we're going, we're kind of, we're kind of going too nuanced on figuring out what it means to be male and female. We're kind of going a little bit too out there. Maybe take a step back, rethink what we're thinking and look into it and try to figure out where we're getting it wrong. Right? So that's an example of us going to back, returning status quo, but we're going to have to keep on evolving what it means to be a man or woman. So we make sure that there's a standard that we all will know will at the end of the day, I'm going to say this again, we'll make sure that we continue in the human species. So if we could do that for welfare, because how it is now, it's not efficient. If we could do that for abortion, and abortion now is very interesting. I mean, for me, considering I have a threshold, I think some states are going too far and some states are going too lax. But if we do stuff like that in terms of Planned Parenthood, and we keep this in mind in terms of the uh, personable humanistic principles that I'm talking about, then we can uh, we can find some progress. Yeah, I agree. I um, certainly think with we should realize when something is abnormal, and I think uh, most people do. Most people know when something is not normal. Um, I think the problem is, is we have created a society that says we're not allowed to call out abnormality that we should. I don't um, think most, I don't think most people do. I think most people don't know how to define normal. I think that's the problem right now. No, most people think normal is what everybody accepts as status quo or um, what is I would, normal. I would say I can certainly see that as well. I would lean more towards uh, this outcome with the advent of political correctness, with the advent of kind of uh, victim points. Uh, people actually know what is normal, but seek to not be normal because normal is antiquated and old and bad. Um, so, I mean, this we see this with like you shouldn't kink shame, uh, whatever that means. I don't think that's true at all. I think we should certainly uh, shame many more things than we do shame. Um, certainly we should do that um, because we should have standards of normal and decent behavior. But you don't get anything special for being normal anymore. Uh, in fact, you uh, are advised to try not to be normal. But normal is good. Normal is what keeps societies running. You know, there's some levels of of kind of healthy abnormality because that's how you get innovation when you kind of push the status quo. But at the same time, if there is no status quo, then there is nothing. There is no society in which to have. There is nothing. Uh, there's nothing there um, because every it'll just be riotous. We'll get similar to what we're getting right now. Uh, so we certainly should have standards of normality. I completely agree.
Yeah, we should definitely have standards. And I mean, I don't even see it as, you know, like that one SpongeBob episode where SpongeBob turned all smooth brained and it was like the super normal, boring, plain guy. Like uh, Jonathan said, people think of it as like the boring SpongeBob. Oh my goodness. What rock is this guy living in? SpongeBob? But, um,. People think of the boring guy, like you said. People want to be the innovators. People want to be the Bill Gates. People want to be the adventurer. Those are the people they seem as abnormal. Those are the cool individuals. And I don't like that definition of normal because I agree that that definition is super boring. The only way of normal that I see that I think makes sense is when you apply a sense of character or a sense of way of living to society, to the human race, and what is the conclusion? I'm going to repeat it one more time because I feel like people should not really know this, right? The purpose of the human race, in my personal opinion, I mean, if you don't, I mean, if regardless of religion, if you believe in religion, it may be different. But one of the main and probably the most important purpose of the human life is to keep the human race going. We don't want to die out. We want to keep on going. We want to keep on going. Maybe go to other planets. Who cares? We got to keep on going as a human race for our ancestors, for our descendants, all that good stuff. And in order to keep on going, we have to have a set standard of normal to make sure we're keeping on going. And I'm going to be arguing. I'm going to be, I'm going to be blunt. If our standard of normal is being trans, then the human race won't continue to go. If our standard of normal is being uh, segregating all the people, then the human race won't continue to go. At the end of the day, we should know that a man or a woman create a baby continues the human race. And we should know that peace and not war is a fundamental thing that we all should accept as normal. It should be abnormal to want violence and war and all that stuff. If you want to add other principles, we would have to debate on the other stuff. But I think those two things in terms of, you know, reproduction and wanting peace are probably the the most objective principles that every single person should agree to. Because without those two things, we will not continue as a human species and we will die out and just be another memory of the universe's long, long billion year history. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, the, I think the other stuff, I think you can be a unique individual and the shaming, uh, I definitely think we should shame certain things. We should shame and ostracize and condemn pedophiles, for example, but like other things. And I brought up the trans, so I'm going to be positive trans people right now. I don't care if you're trans, just understand that in terms of my definition, you're not normal. That's how I see it. And if we, very similar to my abortion stuff, if we set a precedent that we all understand, then we can kind of live in accordance to that precedent and society can kind of continue without people's rights being infringed. So that's how I personally believe we should do things. But yeah, that's how I view normal. Now, I'm ready to be canceled, but I'm not going to give up my my take. That's fine. It's all, it's all good. You know? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clip this. I'm going to get so canceled. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. You should just, uh, if you really want to get canceled, you should clip my section right there when I said people should be shamed for their kinks. 
Oh, I, I think the the more tangible moment that you said was the fact that a uh, thirteen year old should not have an abortion. Oh, yes, yeah, that'll get you kicked. That'll get you canceled. That'll yeah. get me canceled too. They'll find all my shows then. <laughs> the a lot of cancelable material out here. Well, we got to. I mean, I could give truth. you so much more cancelable material. Hey man, I, I have plenty of cancelable material, but you know those are discussions yeah, yeah. for another day. I think we kind of go went over all the important talking points. Like I said, I don't want to go over the body autonomy because I think that's a terrible argument. I'm, I I've f- never been, especially when you just mentioned all the trans stuff. Like I no longer find the argument that like if you're not a man, you don't have a say. It's like, well, you told me that I can be a woman, right? So then for the sake of this argument, whenever I am speaking about abortion, I identify as a woman. And therefore, I'm allowed to have an opinion about it now. So Apex, there you go. Yeah, it's and it, it's so like the the anytime someone brings up my body, my choice, I see so many TikToks of them getting schooled. If someone asks a counter question, like, okay, uh, you know, if they said something about you being a woman, or say, are you a Jew? Do you care about the Holocaust? And the woman just shuts up and like, well, it's the, like you know, for me, oh. For me as a gun owner, it's like you don't get to talk about gun policy if you don't own a gun. Like, how, what about that? It's like exactly. it's such a like, ridiculous there, argument. There's so much wrong with that argument. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody has ever argued my body, my choice. That's so dumb. Um, I think do think there's some legitimacy, in ter- especially back then in history, where men thought they can control a woman's body. But in this modern Western society, men for the most part, don't think like that unless you're like some red pill weirdo. So, you know, I can't really do anything about those people. You know what I'm saying? So, with that said, that is all we got for today's episode. Uh, we will be back, of course. And I think this was a very interesting discussion per usual in regards to the abortion topic. Uh, next topic, like I've said already, will be regarding media companies' role in politics. And we're going to have a, a very interesting guest for that conversation. So, hope everybody enjoyed, of course. Y'all have a good one. Rate it five stars if you enjoyed. Leave a message. Leave an email at the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com. Take care and peace.